Hi, my name's Paul Grogan. Welcome to episode eight of the all new Gaming Rules podcast. This podcast is an audio version of the Gaming Rules live Q&A that went out at the end of November 2021. If you prefer to watch this on YouTube, that video is already there, but a number of people asked me to create this If you prefer to watch this on YouTube, the video is already there, but this audio version of the podcast is for those people who prefer to listen to podcasts. This is only possible with the financial support of my Patreon campaign. So a huge thank you to all of my supporters for making this possible. And if you like the content that I create, please consider supporting me at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. And now on with the Q&A. Right, we should be live. Um, hello everybody, and as always, please let me know if you can hear me and you can see me okay. Uh, nothing is showing up in the chat at the moment, but there's a lot of people watching live, uh, and the chat messages should hopefully appear soon. There we go, chat messages have, have just appeared, except why they've appeared there, I don't know. Oh, I know why. Right, hang on a minute. Oh, we got a very purry cat. <laughs> Loki's just come in, say hello. I'm just gonna uh, make this chat box a bit bigger, if I can. Yeah. Okay. Right. Bear with us a minute while I while I sort this out. Obviously, the last Q and A I did must have used slightly different settings. So I'm just going to change this and make it uh, eight hundred. That should be fine. How is everybody doing anyway? Um, so the plan for today, I can talk while doing this, is I'm going to first of all go through uh, all of the questions that I've been asked on the BGG Guild. So thank you very much to everybody who's asked me. Uh, questions in advance on the BGG Guild. I will go through all of those first. There we go. Uh, and then we're going to go to the live questions. So if you are watching this live and you do have questions for me, um, please put them in the chat, but start with the word question in capitals. Uh, Vicky is monitoring the chat. Well, Loki's monitoring the chat. <laughs> oh, look at him. Um, and then we'll get to those questions later on. Anyway, right, so we've done that. Yes, that is a picture of GridCon in the background. And there's a few people who you can probably recognise there. Um, excellent. Right. So let's go through and start with the questions. Also, uh, we've got the contest. We've got the regular contest. I'm going to be announcing the winner of the last one. Uh, and we've got the details of this one as well and various other things. If I am a little bit unprepared for this one, which I am, uh, I will be honest with you, both me and Vicky are still recovering from GridCon. And about two, three hours ago, I pretty much fell asleep. Uh, I didn't fall asleep, but my body and my brain fell asleep um, and I really could do with a lie down. So I'm I'm actually struggling to stay awake right at this moment. So this will be fun. I've had a cup of tea and we'll see how we get on. Right. The first question is from Graham Charlton. He says he, he's not going to ask me what my favourite game from GridCon is, as I didn't get to play very much. Oh, for those people who don't know what GridCon is, <laughs> uh, GridCon is uh, the convention which myself and Vicky organised and that was last weekend. Well, in fact, it was five days which is why we're both very tired and we're both recovering. So if you hear lots of people talking about GridCon and you don't know what it is, it is the gaming rules in Devon convention and that's just finished. So I didn't get to play much at GridCon because I was running the convention, but Graham is asking, what is the most interesting looking game that I saw being played at GridCon that I'd previously not come across? So at GridCon, I was wandering around, uh, taking photos and seeing if everybody was all right. And a lot of the games that I saw being played were ones that I knew. It was really nice to see uh, games like Uthea being played a lot. I think it got played about 
six or seven times, I think, which for a big game like Uthea is quite a lot. Mage Knight got played three times. You know, things like that. Really good to see those games being played. Um, but there were a few games that I didn't recognise. I remember speaking to Tom Fox and they were playing a game. It was Pyramids, uh, which is Matthew Dunstan and Brett Gilbert, two designers who I know and I'm friends with Matthew. Um, and, and I didn't know anything about that. That looked interesting. I did see a game of um, a big game being played on the circular table, um, which I didn't know. Uh, and that was Shiver Me Timbers. That looked very impressive. I'm not saying these games are good. I just I just saw them. I went, oh, what's this? And it was it was Shiver Me Timbers. So yeah, there was a there was a few games being played, um, which which I didn't know about. Right. Next question um, is from Mick. Mick says, "What is my favourite implementation of the auction mechanism? And do I like auction games like Medici or Modern Art?" So, oh. As I say, if I'd have had a bit more time <laughs> to prepare for this, I probably would have thought about things a bit more. Um, auction games, I'm not the biggest fan of, but I do quite like some of them. Uh, Medici and Modern Art are certainly classics, you know, from quite a while ago. Ra is a game which I played a lot when I got into gaming, uh, and I do I do like the auction mechanism in Ra because it is an, it is an auction mechanism but you are bidding with your preset tiles that you have. You don't just bid random numbers. You've got these, these tiles with numbers on, and they are the ones that you can bid with. Um, so that's quite nice. Now, one game that did get played quite a lot at Gridcon was Furnace. Uh, now, I've not played it yet, but apparently Furnace has got a really good auction mechanism in it. Um, I'll let you know once I've played it. Now, Medici and Modern Art, I had the app for Medici. In fact, I probably still do, but... As operating systems get updated, some old apps stop working, so I don't know whether it still works. Now, Medici is a good game. It's a classic Reiner Knizia old bidding game. But having gone back to it again when I last played it, I felt it was a little dated. Uh, and if you're a big fan of the game, you're probably going to say, like, heresy and all of this lot. But there was a bit of a problem with it in that, similar to Ra, uh, once you are the only person left in the bidding and you're drawing things at random, you might get really lucky, you might get unlucky. It's just, it's just one of those things. Uh, next question is from, I thought Mick asked two. Oh, he did. He's got another one later on. Right. Next question is from Monica. Uh, and this is any gaming plans for New Year's Eve? So for the last four or five years, we have organized a kind of New Year's Eve get together party. Last year we did it virtually, but this year we are planning permitting, uh, COVID permitting, we are planning another in-person gathering. It's going to be about eight to ten friends come round and uh, Vicky cooks loads of meals. Um, there is not much gaming that happens. It is more of a social event, but we might do some fun gaming like just one or, or something like that. But yeah, other than that, no, no gaming plans for New Year's Eve. Uh, so second question from Mick. Have I tried any print and play games that have become popular in the last few years? And if so, which ones did you enjoy? I haven't. I haven't done any print and play games um, for a long time. And that's simply because I don't I don't have enough time to cover the the rest of the games that I've got at the moment. So yeah, print and play games, yeah, don't don't have any time for that sort of thing. Um, some of them are really nice. Um, and the one that we probably last played together was that one that I mentioned on a previous QA that I couldn't remember the name of. Something engine? Unlimited, uh, infinity, no, no. Anyway, yeah, print and play game, solo game, sheet of paper and you roll some dice. Can't remember exactly what it was called, but it was all right. Um, right, next question. Oh, this is also from Mick. Right, 
So, in terms of my playstyle, when playing a game, do I think about improving my own position, or do I tend to think about hampering the opposition first? Or does it depend on the game, or does it depend on the game state? So, generally speaking, I am a person who tries to do what I'm trying to do first. But the small exceptions to that, if it's a two-player game, okay, if it's a two-player game and you need one brick to build a building which is going to score you 50 points, and I can do something to stop you getting that one brick, then I will do it. But that is very likely only in a two-player game um, or in some extreme circumstances. Most of the time I am concentrating on what I am doing and what I am doing to build stuff up. I would only ever really try to do something to hurt another player if there was literally nothing else I could do to make my position better or it was this you know, huge move. Um, like in Kalos, if somebody's saving up to build the cathedral, which is worth 20 points, I think now, um, and it's a two-player game and I could do something to stop them, then then I might do that. Um, mixed feeling is that I do just look at my own position, which is correct, but yeah, some games require knowledge of what the opposition, opposition position is. As I say, if somebody's building up for the cathedral and you can stop them getting it, then, then that's what I would do. Um, Andy says, what proportion of GridCon 2 attendees were patrons and what was my favourite moment of GridCon apart from meeting Andy, obviously. Now, we did, did we did we get a chance to look at the list? We didn't. So there were approximately 150 different people attended GridCon, maybe 151, 152, something like that. And I think it was either 50% or close to 50%. So I can give you the exact numbers later on because we did we do have a list of them, um, but yeah, it was somewhere around forty to fifty percent of people attending GridCon uh, were patron supporters, which was really really nice to see. Um, favorite part of GridCon? Oh, it's interesting because yeah, as the organizer, I was just focusing on organizing things. Um, I don't think there was one particular moment of GridCon that was the favourite for me, apart from keep looking around the room and seeing all of the tables occupied with people playing games and everybody saying what a great time they were having. Um, there was a couple of things that I did um, which I was happy with. I finally got Battle Law 2 to the table, so it was like 3 o'clock on the Sunday. We were, we were closing in a few hours' time. People were starting to disappear out. And me and Ian Haywood had been talking about playing Battle Law 2 for like a week. Uh, and, and I said, right, three o'clock, let's get it set up. Are you doing anything, Ian? No, right, off we go. And I'm really happy because I've painted all of the miniatures for Battle Law 2 and I finished them about three years ago and it, it's not been played since. So, so yeah, I was really happy to get that to the table. Um, right, next question from Brian. Do you want to pop downstairs and get the... The things that you said downstairs, the things in the basket that when Brian asked the question, because Brian asks always asks a biscuit related question, and we said we should have, yeah, right, Vicky's going to go downstairs, got a special treat for you, Brian. Uh, <laughs> so Brian is asking, on my various trips to Essen, uh, have I tried any German biscuits? And the answer is no. But he does say, the question is about biscuits made and consumed in Germany, not the British stroke Irish German biscuits, aka Empire biscuits or double biscuits. So Brian, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm going to look this up. I don't know what German biscuits are or Empire biscuits or double biscuits. Um, but have I tried any actual German biscuits? Uh, the, the answer is no. 
I, I haven't tried any of those. So, is Vicky on her way back upstairs? So, I'll, I'll tell you the story while, while she's on her way back up. So, Brian, for the last few months, Brian always asks a biscuit-related question in the chat, and it's usually related to Tunnock's caramel uh, wafers or caramel logs. Now, we did receive uh, some gifts from people at Gridcom. This one's specifically from Chrissy and Brett, and the crinkling is us opening the packet now. And we have with us, and I'm not going to eat it live on camera, but I have with me a Tunnock's caramel log. And we don't think we've ever tried these before. So we will be having one for dessert tonight, rather than the chocolate cheesecake. Yeah, we'll be having one of these, and I'll let you know what we think about it. So thank you very much, Chrissy and Brett, for, for that, and for the other things that you got us as well. Um, right, Jimmy's got a really good question. If you could wake up in the world or setting of any board game, which one would you choose? And would you prefer to just visit for a short time or remain there permanently? Now, this reminds me of a question that was asked in a Q&A probably about a year, year and a half ago, um, which was related to, I think, which character in whatever board game would you like to play or something like that. So I've, I, I had a bit of a think about that. So we, did, we, did a, we did a shop run this afternoon. Um, and on the way to the shops, I was having a think about this because... I find fantasy settings like the, the Tainted Grail setting or the Lord of the Rings uh, setting, you know, I, I love those settings as games, but I don't think I'd want to live in those settings. Certainly not the Tainted Grail one, because um, it's quite harsh and it's quite dark and everything else. So I like those settings as board games, but I certainly don't want to live in those settings, even temporarily. Um, so for me, I'm not, I'm, I can't think of any board game specifically, but it would probably be something slightly futuristic, um, where we've got more technology than we've got now. For example, uh, you know, teleporters or transporters or things that can get us from A to B quicker, or where we can go and visit star systems or something like that. So some kind of futuristic setting, whether it be specific board, I can't think of a specific board game, um, but this might be a good question for the BGG Guild uh, later on. But yeah, it would probably be something futuristic where technology has evolved and, you know, we've got a better better quality of life than we have now. Right. Uh, John Underwood wants to know, which Vital Lacerda game best plays solo? This is a question for the chat right now. If you have played uh, Vital Lacerda's game solo, which do you think is the best one? I haven't played all of them solo. Um, in fact, I haven't played that many of them solo. I've played Kanban EV solo. I've played, um, I've played On Mars solo. Both of those, I think, were played by uh, with myself and Andy Savage. I've not played Lisboa solo. I've not played The Gallerist solo. Uh, and I haven't played Weather Machine solo either. And has Vinyos got a solo mode? If it doesn't, it probably should have. Out of those two that I've played, Kanban EV, definitely, uh, the On Mars solo mode for me was a little bit too complex, whereas the Kanban EV one was... It was still complex, but it was quite nice and, and it played quite smooth. So yeah, for me, out of the two, Kanban EV. But yeah, let me know in the chat what you think is the best Vital Lacerda solo mode. I know that Mark Dainty from Not Board Gaming and Luke Hector from The Broken Meeple, they did a live podcast, or is it not a podcast, they did a live show um, quite a few months ago now. But yeah, if you're interested in finding out, they've played all of them solo and they talked about each of them solo. So yeah, if you're interested, go and check out that. It was on Luke's channel, I think, Broken Meeple. Uh, next question 
from Paul Snugs. When is GridCon 3 and can it be brought forward? So GridCon 3, we have a tentative date of next summer, uh, the end of June, but we still have to have some discussions with the hotel and, and clarify it. And we need to decide whether we want to run two GridCons next year or one. Uh, and if we do only run one GridCon, which GridCon do we run? Do we run the summer one or the winter one? So yeah, watch this space. Uh, we'll be making an announcement and a decision probably around March time, I think. Um, Paul has, also has some DIY questions, uh, which I won't read out here because uh, Paul's already had some answers to this question um, on the Guild. So Vicky's going to put a link in the chat right now to the Board Game Geek Guild. If you are not a member of the Board Game Geek Guild, please go and join up. Uh, make sure you join, but then make sure you subscribe as well, because if you don't subscribe, you won't actually see anything uh, in the Guild. And if you look at this thread that I started uh, yesterday for questions, Paul's got a question about DIY. Um, it's a, basically about neoprene material to make a custom-sized game mat and for foam core inserts. And as I say, Paul's already had some replies, but if you've got any other replies, uh, let him know. And question three from Paul, how can you play Weather Machine without your head exploding? I don't think that's possible. Next question from Harold. Harold's got two questions. Uh, the first one is, Harold bought City of the Big Shoulders a couple of years ago, and then he saw my review of the game on YouTube. Now, my review of City of the Big Shoulders was quite negative. Um, I spent a lot of time explaining why the rulebook was awful, um, and also, I wasn't keen on the gameplay for a number of reasons. Now, what was interesting about that is that most people who I'd played City of the Big Shoulders with said that they really enjoyed it, uh, and I remember Tom Fox saying, I think that it was like his game of the year, whereas I had a really, really negative experience of the game. There were parts of the game that I'm just baffled how anybody can think they're good, but I'm in the minority. I, it's got a really high rating on BGG. I know loads of people who say it's fantastic. It just did not sit well with me at all. That, that was the gameplay side of it. But as I say, the rulebook, the rulebook was really bad. Um, now the new rulebook, which they contacted me and asked for my input on, uh, I think the new rulebook is better. But um, Harold is basically saying that despite my review, uh, because of my review of the game, he basically didn't play the game. He was kind of put off from playing the game, but then went back to it, gave it a try, was a lot of fun, and would definitely play it again. So as I say, my views on the game are very much in the minority views. Um, but Al's question is, do I have games that got a second chance, and then I ended up enjoying them a lot? Um, that is a question I've been asked quite a few times before, and my staple answer is Pathfinder Adventure Card Game, a game where when I played it for the first time, I absolutely hated it, like so hated it. It was everything that I didn't like in a game. So much randomness, so much dice rolls, and that was because I'd been excited about this game. Because I'd stopped playing role-playing games about 10 or so years ago, and Pathfinder Adventure Card Game, were, for me, was going to be a role-playing game in card game form. And that's what I was hoping it was. And it turned out to be just a complete another dice rolling, you know, dice fest, where the party splits up, which parties don't generally do in role-playing games, and all they do is go through a deck of cards, monsters don't have treasure, you have to roll to see if you can pick a sword up. There were so many things about the game I didn't like. However, as time goes on, gaming tastes evolve, and I went back to Pathfinder Adventure Card Game with the second edition, 
after playing the app quite a lot. And what I did is I, the, the problems that I've just highlighted with the game, they've not been fixed in second edition. Those things are still the same. However, what I did is I came at the game with a different approach, a different view on it. And whilst there is still roll lots and lots of dice, it is still dice for resolution, and it is still go through a deck of cards and turn cards over, I loved it. And if you want to know how much I loved it, I played through the entire of the Dragon's Demand campaign as a series of solo playthroughs. Was it earlier this year? I think it might be earlier this year. So if you look on my channel and search for Pathfinder Adventure Card Game, I've done about 12 videos on it, or maybe more, um, and loved every single one. It was really, really good. So yeah, my tastes have definitely evolved. And as I say, the game still has lots of dice and everything like that. If it was a competitive game, I would not play it whatsoever. But because it's a cooperative game, I kind of accept that. Um, so the next question from Harold is, am I willing to pay money for game add-ons, e.g. playmats, inserts, dice trays, coins, etc.? Or am I happy with the material that comes out of the box? Again, this is, this is a question I think somebody else asked me a few months ago about whether I like to bling my games up. And the general answer is no. And the reason for that is that, with the exception of a few games, I don't play games enough to warrant that. So for example, uh, Maracaibo, earlier this year I've played it through 12 times I think on the channel, uh, which is more times than I've played most of the games. And I did, I, I played, oh, I played through the entire solo game and Maracaibo is a great game. But am I going to then, I mean, I've got the metal coins for it because the publisher sent me the metal coins. Thank you very much, Games Up, for sending me them. But yeah, I, d I don't think there is um, because I just don't have, I don't know. It I mean, painting miniatures aside, because there are certain games that I've painted the miniatures for, but yeah, generally I, generally I don't do it. There are some games that I might make an exception for, and that is something like Terraforming Mars, because my copy of Terraforming Mars, compared to everybody else's copy of Terraforming Mars, looks very inferior. I have the base game of Terraforming Mars, I've got the expansions, but I just have the base game with the board, with the cardboard tiles, no fancy 3D printed components or anything, and everybody else's copy looks absolutely fantastic. But how many times has, has my physical copy of Terraforming Mars been played by me, zero. It, it has never actually been played by me. In fact, it was only punched just a couple of weeks ago and it got played at Gridcon. And that's because every time I play Terraforming Mars, I have a couple of local friends who have everything and blinged up components. So we generally just play theirs. Right, next question. Oh, should we have a pause and we'll talk about the contest? So each month I do a number of contests and one of the contests is during the live Q&A. So if you are watching this either live or if you are watching this afterwards, you can enter this contest right now. Vicky is going to post a link in the chat and it's also in the description of this video. This contest runs from now, right now, until the next Q&A. And the next Q&A will be at the end of December. So as I say, if you're not watching this live and you think, oh, I've missed the, I've missed the contest, you haven't missed the contest. In fact, last the last contest from the previous Q&A closed earlier on today. Now, nobody's entered it for the last six weeks, but what I'm saying is you have between now and until the end, uh, until the next Q&A to enter the contest. To enter the contest, it's very simple. You click on the link, it's a Google form. 
It asks for your name. It asks you for the secret word, and the secret word is going to be meeple, because this meeple was made for me by Josh's wife. Thank you very much, Josh, for this,、uh, which is a nice purple meeple. So this is the the secret word is meeple, and if you are a patron supporter of mine, please let me know.、Uh, put yes. If you're not a patron supporter, please do not put yes because I do verify it.、Um, and if you are a patron supporter, you get two entries. If you're not a patron supporter, you get one entry, and I will do the draw during the next Q and A. So, let's talk about the last Q and A's contest. I went through all of the correct entries.、Uh, we had, I think, 161 entries, something like that, and I did the random number generator, and the random number generator came out as number one, and I went. Is it working? So I ran it again, and it came out with lots of other random numbers. So yeah, the first number that came out was number one,、uh, and the winner is Jason Buchanan. Thank you very much, Jason, for your support. Jason's an executive producer,、uh, and Jason was the first person to enter the contest last time.、Um, so yeah, congratulations, Jason. I will be sending you an email、uh, with the details of how you can get your games vouchers.、And、the games vouchers are provided by Games Law. So thank you very much to Games Law for providing me with these vouchers. To give away each month, and as I say, if you want to enter this contest, just click on the link to the form, put the word "meeple" as the secret word, and you could win twenty-five pounds worth of vouchers. Right? Okay. Oh, and that is completely separate to the monthly giveaway that I do for Messina thirteen forty-seven. So it, it's completely separate giveaway. Right. Next question from、uh, Paul Mack wanted to ask me about the process from design of a game through to the final rulebook. What do the game's designers give me,、uh, and how much of it is editing, and how much of it is writing a new rulebook based on a design? It really varies. It really does. Now, as many of you know, will know, I am stepping down from rulebook editing、um, as soon as my current rulebooks are wrapped up.、Uh, if you want to know the reasons for that, check out my video log from October. Yeah, I think October. I talk about it at the end. There's a number of reasons why, and I, I talk about some of them at the end of that video log.、Um, but it, it really does depend. Sometimes I will be sent、uh, a PDF of a final rulebook, and they'll say, "Paul, we want you to edit this rulebook." Now, sometimes that final PDF that they send me—I say final—I、um, mean, as far as they're concerned, the rulebook is done, and they send it to me. And sometimes. I look at it and I go, "Oh, I'd, I'd move this around here, and I'd, I'd change this bit, and I'd change that bit, and it, it could actually be not that much work." Other times, they will send me a PDF and say, "Here's our final rulebook," and I will say, "This is a complete and utter mess. You need to throw this in the bin, and we need to start again from scratch." I have had to do that on more than one occasion, and sometimes, if we talk about Weather Machine from Vital Lacerda. Uh, I agreed with Vittel. We would start with a blank sheet of paper, and literally there was nothing written down whatsoever. And Vittel taught me how to play Weather Machine, and then I started with a blank sheet of paper and and wrote the rulebook from scratch. So it really does depend on the publisher, the designer,、uh, and where they are up to.、Uh, right. Next question from Keith: What's the best race game that I have come across during the pandemic? And to the SO garage for petrol is not a permitted answer. Very good, Keith. So a few months ago we had a petrol shortage in the UK. Well, to be fair, there wasn't a petrol shortage in the UK. There was a shortage of delivery drivers to get the petrol from the fuel places to the forecourts.、Um, and basically, there was there was a few weeks where petrol stations were running out of petrol,、um, which is what Keith's、uh, comment is. So I I I'm not sure 
that there are any race games that I have come across during the pandemic. So if you've got one, if you're watching this in the chat, or if you're watching this afterwards, pop a comment in the video. Let me know what's the best race game that you have come across during the pandemic. I can't think of one myself that has come out in the last 18 months. I don't play race games that often. Uh, Flam Rouge is still fantastic, but that didn't come out during the pandemic. Uh, right, moving on. Jill, game themes. Now, this is a very common question, Jill, um, but I will ask it and I will answer it. And it is, which themes are? am I tired of seeing overdone and which themes would I like to see more of? Uh, Jill is an atmospheric scientist and would love to see more weather and natural disaster themes. So I'm, I'm with you, Jill. Um, I actually really like when weather has an impact on the game. Now, Jill, you've mentioned Weather Machine and Weather Machine is themed about you know, fixing extreme weather and some crazy guy scientist doing weather experiments that makes the weather worse. But I, I like games where the weather actually has an impact on the game. And I'm specifically thinking of Snowdonia and Alibari, designed by Tony Boydell, where the weather has a direct impact on what happens in the game. So in Snowdonia, you are building the railway up Snowdon. And weather can change and it can become foggy, or rain or something like that and it has a direct impact on the game so if it's foggy you can't build track for that round and things like that and i like when weather has impacts and i'd like to know are there any other games that you know of where the weather actually has an impact on the game in a similar way to as i've mentioned from snowdonia because i don't know that many of them in fact there's not that many games that use that have weather in them um, but yeah, I really like it because weather is a thing and obviously being British, talk about weather all of the time. Um, and it's, it would be nice to see more and maybe not a game themed about weather, but just a game where, you know, the weather does have an actual impact. In terms of themes that I'm tired of seeing, back to the original question, there isn't really any. Um, you know, there's a lot of games that are Cthulhu themed. There's a lot of games that are I mean, there's so many games coming out at the moment. It's, I don't, I can't think of one particular theme where I think, oh, I'm fed up of games with that theme because if, if you don't like them, then just, just avoid them. You know, I know a number of people who are, that they don't like the Cthulhu theme. They don't like the Arkham horror theme. So any game that comes out with that theme, they, they just immediately avoid. And that's fine because we've got hundreds or thousands of other games to, to look at. Um, and as far as which which themes do I think can be expanded upon more? Again, my normal answer is I, I don't I don't I don't actually know because I just like playing a variety of different games. There isn't one particular theme that I can think of and think, oh, I really wish we had more games around this particular theme. Right, Paul Kelly wants to know. Um, oh, he's answering Paul Snugsy's one. So Paul, um, Paul Kelly has answered your question about foam core inserts and, uh, and, and things like that. Uh, right, moving on. Class wants to know, do I have any end of year's videos plans? Do I have any end of year videos planned lists and such? Thank you very much for asking this question because regular viewers of mine will know that at the end of every year, I do a top 10 games of the previous year. And I've been doing this now for about two or three years. So I am due at the end of December 2021 to do a video 
on what the best games are, not from 2021, but from 2020. And that's become something that I've done for the last few years. I'm the only content creator that does it. I get to the end of the year and I do not do a what are the best games I've played this year video. I do a what are the best games that I think came out the year before. Now there's reasons why I do that, which is basically, I think you need to leave it a year in order to get a more informed opinion. If I was to do a, uh, a video on what I think were the best 10 games of this year, some of them, like Bitoku, I haven't even played yet. Okay, now I'm hoping to get Bitoku played by the end of the year, but I might only play it once. And I don't think after playing a game once that I can justify putting it on my, this is one of the top 10 games of the year. I think I need to have played the game a few times in order to have that. And because so many games come out at Essen, this is why I type, I kind of do my videos a year after everybody else. However, I am also aware that I am the only content creator that I know that doesn't do a, what are the best games that I've played this year. So I'm planning, time permitting, to do my usual, what do I think are the top 10 games of 2020? But also I am planning my what are my favorite games that I've played this year? And I'm, I'm wording them like that. So the first video will be what I think are the top 10 best games that came out in 2020. And I might do it as a Patreon inspired vote as well while mixing in some of my own. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but also I will be doing another video which will be purely on mine, the 10 best games that I think I've played this year. And that might be based on one play because it will be very subjective and it will be very much a, a there in the sand. So that's what I am planning for December, time permitting. Hopefully I'd like to get them done. Um, there is something else as well, but I'll come back to that later on. Next question uh, is from Nils, I think. Yep. Uh, Nils has traveled around the world for Sudoku and other logic puzzle competitions and have made friends from afar that you now haven't seen in person for over two years. He enjoyed my live video logs from Essen. Thank you very much for watching them. Um, and they made you reminisce and miss your friends even more. With the benefit of hindsight, am I still glad that I went to Essen? Absolutely 100%. Uh, no doubt in my mind whatsoever that going to Essen was the right thing to do for a number of different reasons. First of all, I got to see people again, right? Which was great. Second, this was the first year that I went to Essen where I was only working for three hours a day, which meant I had a lot more time to actually experience the event, enjoy the event, and that was really great. Third, Essen this year was a much lower capacity than in previous years, and what that meant is you could actually walk around and you could get places without constantly barging into people. But the other uh, again, looking back in hindsight, because I think the week I got back from Essen, or maybe the week after, I was going, was this the right thing to do? Because I was having my my rulebook work and my other work was, was piling up, and it was actually getting quite stressful. And because I'd been ill for a few weeks beforehand, I'd got quite far behind on my work. And then going to Essen was actually like 10 days out. So when I got back from Essen, the stress levels that I had with all of the work that I had to do and how far behind I was with that work went absolutely through the roof. And why was that a good thing? 
because that is one of the things that led me to my decision to step back from rulebook. That decision that I made about stepping back from the rulebook work and effectively retiring from that part of my, my, my work wasn't made before Essen and it wasn't made during Essen, it was made when I got back. And maybe if things hadn't been that bad, maybe I would have just carried on. And I'm actually really glad that I've decided to step back from it because I'm now feeling quite a lot of a sense of relief once my current rule books are, are finished, hopefully. So yeah, absolutely. Um, Nils also wants to know, do I feel comfortable going to similar events in the nearish future? Depending on what happens with this current uh, COVID variant, which has been all over the news in the last few days, I feel completely comfortable. I mean, I've just come back from GridCon, which was a five-day event which I organised, uh, and I was comfortable being there. But that's because we asked everybody to produce um, a negative lateral flow test in order to gain access to the to the event. But I am planning to go to BayCon next year. BayCon is the next board gaming event which I am planning to go to, uh, and that's March, April. In fact, it might be LyriaCon. I think LyriaCon is going to be before BayCon. So yeah, I, I am comfortable in doing that. Right, next question from Mindy. Um, with my planned exit of rulebook writing and editing, will I be picking up more sponsored tutorials? Good question. Uh, or is that something that goes hand in hand with rulebook writing? So to let you know, my sponsored videos that I create, they don't go hand in hand with the rulebook writing. They are normally a, a completely separate thing. Now, sometimes there is crossover. For example, uh, Vital Lacerda's rulebooks. I, I do the rulebook and I will be also doing the videos. Endless Winter, I was the rulebook editor for Endless Winter and I will be producing some videos for Endless Winter. But it's not necessarily the same thing. They are, they are two completely separate parts of my work. And now that the rulebook work is coming to an end, I will hopefully be doing more sponsored tutorial videos because I will be losing, effectively, I will be losing money because I am, there's a part of my job that I will no longer be doing. So I'm hoping that I actually get to do more sponsored playthrough videos. I will be doing more playthrough videos anyway. Um, some of them will be supported through Patreon. Some of them will be sponsored. So yeah, I, I hope to produce more, play, more playthrough videos. Um, Right, next question from Kenneth, and we're almost at the end, I think, of the previous, uh, of the questions that have been asked in advance. Uh, now that the year is drawing to a close, what is my favourite 2021 game or top three if it's too difficult to pick one? So, Kenneth, I will be answering your question in the video that I do at the end of the year. I can't honestly pick one right now. It would, I mean, it might be a simple question, but it would require me to literally go through my, my list of all of the games that I've played this year and pick one. And I'm not in a position where I can do that at the moment because um, I will be, uh, yeah, I will be taking out quite a lot of time in order to do that to create the best games that I've played in 2021 video. Um, and again, the next question is taken as a whole, how does this year's releases compare to 2020 or 2019? I will be answering those questions in the video that I do at the end of the year. Uh, I can't do them. I can't answer that now, I'm afraid. However, your next question Am I planning any fighting fantasy streams in the holiday season? Absolutely. So last year, during Christmas and New Year, I did a series of live stream videos where I basically played through uh, one of the fighting fantasy games. And I'm doing it again this year because it was fantastic and everybody who joined in 
Um, it really, really made it a nice thing to do during the holiday season because it was the same people who joined in each time and it, it, it just, it, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. So I will be doing that. Now, I have a number of fighting fantasy books and I will be putting a, uh, a poll up for my patron supporters probably the week before Christmas to say, this is happening. Which of these books do you want me to play through? And then whichever one gets the most votes, that's the one that I'll be covering. So yeah, if you are a patron supporter of mine, you get a chance to vote. It will be producer level or higher, which is the normal thing. Uh, you'll get a chance to vote on which of the fighting fantasy books I will be covering between Christmas and New Year. But yes, I am planning to do that. Right, I think that's it from all of the questions that I've been asked in advance. So time for a quick break, quick drink break. So um, before we move on, I'm going to just mention uh, about the Patreon. So as I've mentioned just a bit earlier on, I am stepping back from rulebook writing. Now what that means is that I am taking a financial hit, but that's fine because the Patreon campaign is currently doing really well that I will be financially okay. Um, if you are a Patreon supporter of mine, a huge thank you because it is only thanks to your support that I am able to step away from that rulebook writing. Um, and it has been causing me a lot of um, stress-related issues and various other issues. So stepping away from it, I'm doing it for health reasons, really. I'm not doing it because I'm, I'm fed up of doing it or that, that I'm not good at doing it. I'm doing it because it's actually causing me uh, a, a huge amount of problems. So that's the reason I'm stepping back from it. But the patron support, the financial support I get through the patron campaign is why I'm able to do it. So yeah, a big thank you to all of my patron supporters. And if you are watching this video and you are not a patron supporter of mine, then if you are able to support me even just at $1 a month, that would be fantastic. Patreon.com forward slash gaming rules, as it says down in the bottom right corner. Now, speaking of the Patreon, one of the things that I am aiming for is 800 supporters. Um, the target is to get there by the end of this year. That might not happen. Um, in fact, patron support, it's interesting because somebody said to me, uh, the patron support for the last four or five weeks has actually been doing really, really well. Um, and I think as a net change for this month alone, and it, today is the last day of the month, this month alone, I think we are a net plus 22 supporters or something like that, which is fantastic. The growth of the Patreon campaign this month has been really good. But somebody said to me um, a few days before GridCon, oh, you're going to see a big boost at GridCon. You know, you're going to do GridCon and after GridCon, load, your support is going to go up. I've actually lost about four supporters uh, during while I've been away at GridCon. Um, it's just, you know, it's not a problem and everybody's left for, for various reasons. But yeah, the, 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 the number of supporters that I have now compared to the number of supporters I had before GridCon, it's actually gone down a bit. But anyway, where we are on what I'm calling the countdown to 800, we are currently at 765. 35 more supporters and we will reach that target number of 800. Because when I get to 800 and somebody asked me earlier on about have I got anything special planned for at the end of the year, I have something special planned for when I get to 800 and I will tell you what it is now. I am going to go through my entire collection, which is about 750 games, and I am going to do some crazy live stream where I basically get some kind of program or just an Excel spreadsheet to pick two of my games at random, put them side by side, and I have to vote one through. Now that is going to take hours, if not days, but I'm going to do it. When I get to 800 supporters, that's what I'm going to do. It's going to be fun. 
Um, it's also going to be quite hard work for me because I I'm really difficult at making decisions, and I just know that whilst this is going to be a fun thing to do, it's actually going to be quite stressful for me because I'm I'm going to literally get two random games from my collection side by side, and I'm going to have to pick one, and I'm going to do that for my entire collection, and that's round one, and then round two I'm going to do it again. Where we're down to like 375, and then I'm going to do round three, and then I'm going to do round four, and basically I will keep doing it until we've got one game at the end, right? And I'm going to do that when we get to 800, and it's probably going to take about three days. I, I I don't know. It might be like 20 hours of a live stream. I'm not going to do it all at once. I will break it up, but that's what I'm planning to do. So yeah, as I say, if you are watching this video or any of my other videos. Um, and you are in a position to be able to support me on Patreon. Please don't support me unless you are in a position to be able to financially.、Um, but yeah, if you can help me get to eight hundred, that will be fantastic. Right. So let's move on to the questions that people have been asking during this stream. The first one is from Andy Grant. Sorry, we didn't see you, Andy, at GridCon. Andy was unfortunately not able to make it to GridCon, and we both we both missed you. And I'm sure everybody else did、uh, who was looking forward to seeing you. Andy's got three questions. What was the best part of GridCon? I think I answered that earlier on, didn't I? Did I answer that earlier on? Sleeping. Yeah, the one night where I actually got a few hours sleep. That was great.、Um, no, I think I think the best part of GridCon.、Uh, no, I'm sure I did answer this earlier on. I think it was yeah, looking round and seeing the room full of people playing games.、Um, In fact, it was so GridCon was a five-day event. It was Wednesday, Thursday was the warm-up event, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday was the main event. And I think it was about middle of Friday where I suddenly got this feeling of this was the right thing to do, and that was only until halfway through the event because we've spent weeks being stressed about this—literally weeks, if not months. Being nervous, worried, should we even be doing it? Keeping an eye on the cases every day, and the government restrictions and everything else. And and even a week before, we were like, I was prepared to cancel it, lose all of the money, refund everybody's money, pay for all of their hotel rooms. I just, I just, there was a point where the stress levels of running it、uh, just got too much that I almost just stepped away from it. And it was only until Friday where I actually thought, yeah. This was the right thing to do,、um, and that was a, that was a nice feeling.、Um, what was the best game I played? Well, I didn't play that many games. I did I did play a few games of Mindbug,、um, and I did demo Mindbug a few times, which is really nice, quick ten fifteen minute game. I also played I I played Battle Law Two on the last day. I, I think I played one other game. I can't remember. I think I played a game early on, and I can't even remember what it is now. So no, I didn't actually play that that much.、Uh, and what was the worst game I played? I, yeah, as I say, I only played about two games, if that. So、um, yeah, Rick wants to know what happened to the crew of the Mary Celeste.、Um, I think look it up on Wikipedia.、Um, Mark is asking what went wrong at GridCon.、Um, from an attendee's point of view, GridCon went really well.、Uh, we had a number of issues that was going on in the background that we need to. We needed to sort out,、um, and some of those were ones which shouldn't have been problems because we put things in place beforehand so that they wouldn't be a problem. And then, unfortunately, they were a problem.、Uh, the biggest problem for me was my,、um, as, as a number of you will know, I do occasionally suffer from sleep-related、uh, issues, and the fact that 
I think there were two nights at GridCon where I got no sleep at all. Uh, and then there was one night where I got about two hours, if, if that. Um, so yeah, for me, the worst part of GridCon was the fact that my sleeping issues were an issue. And therefore, you know, we were on our feet and we were working for 16 hours a day. Uh, and some of it was quite, quite tiring and quite exhausting. And then lying in bed at night and literally not being able to sleep and then getting up at seven and then starting the next day. That's just one of those things. You know, I suffer from those. I probably shouldn't run a convention with those sleep issues, but I do. Um, Joe said he saw my comment in the last update of the Madeira Collections edition. Um, what's my opinion on this poorly executed campaign? I can't answer that, Joe. I'm afraid. I really can't. Um, the people that watch your game are personal friends of mine. So, uh, and I, 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 and I am, I am friends with them, so I know the issues that they are having, um, and therefore it would be totally unfair of me. Uh, the issues with the campaign are because they are having issues with the campaign for various reasons, and it's it's had a per, it's had an effect on them personally, um, and and that happens. So yeah. Uh, next question: Any games for Messen that I haven't yet played? Says Gemma. Yes, <laughs> Bitoku haven't played it yet. Golem haven't played it yet. Um, in fact, a lot of the games that I came back with, Old Tree, I played while I was there, but I haven't played since I've got it back. In fact, most of them. Uh, most of the games that I've brought back from Essen, I haven't yet played. Which ones have I played would be a shorter list. Um, so yeah, there's a lot that I haven't played. They are on a list and you will be seeing videos of them. This Friday, I'm going to be doing Golem. So yeah, I will be playing Golem three times this week. I'm doing a learning game of it on Thursday afternoon, which will be live streamed to Patreon supporters only. Then on Thursday night at a local games club, I will be playing Golem. And then Friday night, I will be doing a live stream of Golem. So yeah, I'll be playing Golem three times this week. Um, but yeah, there's there's a number of other ones that I haven't played yet. Uh, what are some of my favorite train games? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I do like Age of Steam, but I prefer some parts of Steam. My, my, my ideal because some people prefer Age of Steam, some people prefer Steam, some people prefer Railways of the World. I personally not a big fan of Railways of the World because of the random event cards. And my ideal game is a cross between Age of Steam and Steam. There are parts of Age of Steam that I prefer to Steam, and there are parts of Steam that I prefer to Age of Steam. So that's that's one of them. Um, but um, I mean, I've also been playing Free Ride, Friedman Fries's new game from this year, which is a train game. That's really clever as well. So I, I quite like that one. I'm not a big fan of the 18xx games. I respect them as as good games, but I'm not a big fan of those. Uh, I also quite like uh, route building games where you're drawing uh, on the board. Now I don't play that many of those. I have Lancashire Railways from like 1997 or something like that. Um, but yeah, the, the the crayon rail games, I've not played that many of those. But of recent games, I really like Ride, uh, Ride the Rails from Capstone Games. I wasn't a big fan of Irish Gage, but I do like Ride the Rails. That that, that was a good game uh, as well. Uh, next question from Alexander. Am I a fan of underwater cities? Love underwater cities. I'm absolutely a fan of underwater cities. And in fact, if you find my video, from, in fact, if somebody wants to look this up right now, while I'm doing this live stream, if somebody can look this up, go and have a look at my favorite games from 2019, um, which would have gone live in December or Jan December 2020, I think. So this time last year, 
I think I did a video on what my top 10 games were from 2019, assuming Underwater Cities came out in 2019. I might have got my years wrong, but am I a fan of Underwater Cities? I think Underwater Cities was my favourite game that came out that year. So yes, I am a big fan of Underwater Cities. I love it. I think it's a brilliant game. Whether it's in my top 10 games or not, it's definitely in my top 20. Might be in my top 10, not sure. Um, Johnny's asking me, who are rulebook editors that you should look for when buying a game? Um, yeah, well, my name is going to be down as an editor on uh, a lot less games moving forward, but there are other really good rulebook editors out there. Um, so Victor Kabliki, if that's how you pronounce his name, apologies, Victor, if I've, if I've pronounced your name wrong. Um, that is one good rulebook, but there's also, ah, uh, there's another guy whose name I can't remember. Jason Holt. Yeah, of course. I wasn't going to mention Jason because I completely forgot. Uh, so Jason Holt is a fantastic rulebook editor. Jason does all of CGE's rulebooks. He also does all of, speaking of Underwater Cities, Jason does all of Delicious Games' rulebooks. So um, Prague Kaput Regni, Messina 1347, and Underwater Cities, they are all by Jason Holt. Now, I am friends with Jason, but I have a huge amount of respect for Jason as a rulebook writer and editor. Um, he, he's, he's extremely good. So definitely keep an eye out for Jason's name on rulebooks. But I can tell you now, Jason only really works on the rulebooks from CGE and on the rulebooks from Delicious Games. Uh, he did a couple of other ones. I think he dabbled. I think he did one for Mind Clash Games. I think he did Cerebria as well. Um, but other than that, he's just doing CGE and Delicious Games at the moment. But yeah, there's another guy as well. And I think his name is William. Or is it Walter? Niebling. That's it. It's W. Niebling, and it could be William, it could be Walter, I can't remember. But he's also a really good rulebook editor. Although, I think he was the editor of Bitoku, and I've heard from multiple people that the Bitoku rulebook is not that good. Now, I don't know that for sure. I haven't read it myself yet, but I heard this from a number of people, certainly over the last few days of GridCon, that the Bitoku rulebook isn't that good. And I think he was down as the rulebook editor. So I don't know. I'll, I'll ask me again once I've read the Bitoku rulebook myself. Um, Flashburn wants to know, you just played Ares Expedition. Between Ares Expedition and Underwater Cities, you're thinking of selling the original Terraforming Mars. What are my thoughts compared to Terraforming Mars? Right. Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition, I really like. Okay, I like Race for the Galaxy, I like Terraforming Mars, and for me, Ares Expedition is a really nice game. Will it replace Terraforming Mars? Absolutely not. Will Underwater Cities replace Terraforming Mars? Absolutely not. I like all three of those games, and all three of those games are staying in my collection. Um, I know why... I've heard it from many people that they feel that Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition does the same thing that Terraforming Mars does in half the time. I personally don't think that whatsoever. I think Terraforming Mars stands alone as a game, and whilst Ares Expedition captures some of the elements of Terraforming Mars, it does not capture enough of the elements to replace Terraforming Mars for me. I guess it depends on how you feel about Terraforming Mars. If you feel that Terraforming Mars is a bit too long and you don't like the tile placement on the board, then Ares Expedition is probably a replacement for you. But no, for me, I will happily play both of those games. I prefer Terraforming Mars to Ares Expedition as a game, but I do like Ares Expedition. And Underwater Cities, yeah, it's a fantastic game, but it doesn't replace any of them for me. 
Jonathan wants to know how the weekend was. Tiring, very, very tiring. Um, I said to Vicky once the last person had left the house on Sunday, never again. What I meant by that was never again run a five-day convention during a global pandemic, right? Not never again, I will never run another convention, but never again we will we will do anything that has been as stressful and as difficult as GridCon 2 was. So yeah, yeah. I'm glad it's over. <laughs> In a way, I'm glad it's over, but I'm also sad that it's over because as I say, having seeing everybody so happy and playing games was was very very rewarding. Uh, George wants to know what's, what's my favorite game component. Uh, George is, is a red cube. A red cube, just a general red cube from any game or just a just a generic red cube. Uh, I think I've been, I think I've been asked this before as well and I can't quite can't quite remember. Um favorite game component. Yeah, we might have to start a thread on the BGG guild about that for me to try and remember. I can't think of anything offhand as what is my favorite component. Um there are certain components which I do find uh very nice and very pleasing, but I can't think of one offhand that would be my single favorite one. Uh, Genway wants to know that if I would compete in the World Series of Board Gaming, which game would it be? Which game would I be competing in? Now that would require me to know what all of the games were. Now I know Acquire's in there. Uh, I know Wingspan's in there. I, I know Settlers of Catan is in there. I know Brass is in there. I think Terraforming Mars is in there. I can't remember what the other ones are that are in there. If somebody can post a list in the chat. Just, just what all the twelve games, or is it sixteen games, or something like that, or just post a link, um, or ask me later on. Because um, yeah, out of out of those that I've mentioned, probably Terraforming Mars. I'm not very good at it, but it's the one that I enjoy the most. The other ones, either I don't enjoy as much, or I know that I wouldn't be very good at them. Um, have I ever played or heard of Formosa Tea? I think I have. I think I have heard about that. It's about tea production in Taiwan. It looks very thematic. You've just ordered a copy. Has anybody else in the chat heard of a game called Formosa Tea? I'm pretty sure it's ringing a bell. I've not played it myself, but I think I have heard of it. So uh, let Power Fade Eleven know what it's like. Have I considered designing a game with Vital Lacerda? Says Max FunQ. Um, I haven't, but I don't. I don't feel that I have the skills to be able to design a game. And I'm saying that as somebody who is now 51 years old and spent 20 years of their life wanting to design a game. But about four or five years ago, I reached a point in my life where I realized I don't think I have the skill. And I know a lot of people will be watching this going, oh, I'm sure you could, Paul. You'd be great at it if you actually did it. No, everybody has things that they are good at and things that they are not good at. And I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. And actually designing a game from scratch, I mean, I've done a couple which are okay, but they're not, they're not great. So if I was to design a game with Vittel, Vittel would end up doing 90% of the work. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it would be really, really nice to do, but I, I don't have the, the, the skills to be able to do it. I don't think developing his games. Yes, absolutely. You know, I'm a developer on all of Vittel's games. Um, in that I will talk to him about how certain things and say that these don't work or I think these don't work and I will have some influence on all of his games um, but actually co-designing one, nope, not for me. Which board game content creator would kick my butt in a fight 
and who would I be able to beat, says George. I'm not going to answer that question, <laughs> to be honest, because um, I think probably most of them. Um, yeah, and who would I be able to beat? I don't know, because if I say who I'd be able to beat, that's like send, that's like putting down the gauntlet, isn't it? Um, yeah, I can tell you now, if me and Tom Vassell would, would ever get into a fight, uh, Tom, Tom would win, because uh, Tom's about this big and I'm about this big. Um, but yeah. Uh, do I have a clear favourite solo game? I do not. I do not have a my favourite solo game. No, I do, actually. I've just realised. I'm so tired, I've forgotten. Under Falling Skies. Under Falling Skies is my favourite solo game. Um, a lot of people are thinking, well, why aren't you saying Mage Knight? Because Mage Knight's your favourite game. Mage Knight is my favourite game overall, but my favourite solo game is Under Falling Skies. I think I think it's just brilliant, and I think it works really well as a solo game. Uh, even though I don't usually play it as a solo game, I usually play it with two people sort of working together as a team. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about Underwater Cities earlier on. Underwater Cities, for me, is a great solo game. I really enjoy it because I have no problem whatsoever with the solo games where you just, there isn't an AI, there isn't a bot, there isn't an automa, none of that. You just play the game as normal and count up your score. I love those games. I have no problem with those games whatsoever. So I really enjoy Underwater Cities solo. Um, but yeah, Under Falling Skies is my number one solo game. Ian Robinson wants to know, how happy am I with the rulebook that me and my team did for the revised Clash of Cultures? I'm really happy with it. Um, I'm always nervous when a rulebook that we've put a lot of work into actually gets out there into the wild. Um, but overall, I'm 99% happy with it. There was one rule that somebody asked me about at Gridcon uh, about Clash of Cultures, and I went to the rulebook and I found the particular section, and I couldn't find that rule in that section. I then did find it in another section, but I was thinking, oh, I should have put it in that section as well. But you never know with rulebooks. You can put in hundreds of hours work into a rulebook, but until people actually sit down and start to play that game from the rulebook, that's the true test. That is the true test of a rulebook. But uh, I've heard through the grapevine that various other people um, have been commenting on how good the rulebook for Clash of Cultures is. So that makes me very happy. Uh, since that's one of probably one of the latter ones that I I will do. Uh, how often per year do I play my top five games? That is a very good question. So um, I don't actually have a top five games, but if we were to list some of my favourite games through the ages, which I play relatively often on the app, um, Gloomhaven that we play. Well, we're playing Jaws of the Lion. We've stopped for the last couple of months while we've been doing Gridcon, but we play that fairly regularly. Um, Mage Knight, I don't play anywhere near enough. Mage Knight, I probably play maybe once a year. I'd love to play it more. I really would love to play it more. Maybe next year. Maybe next year, once I have, uh, once I have, you know, given up most of the rulebook work, I can start playing more Mage Knight. Um, yeah, as for my other two games, top two games that would be in my top five, I don't know what my top five is yet. So, uh, yeah, some of them, as I say, through the ages, thanks to the app, I get to play that quite a bit. Brian is, what's my Christmas list this year? So I don't I do not do Christmas. Um, I'm one of these people um, that doesn't really do Christmas. I don't get presents, generally. Vicky's family will normally get me some presents, but they are normally edible presents because they are perfect presents for me. Um, but I'm actually quite uncomfortable in receiving presents. 
Um, and I also don't really give that many presents as well. I'm not, I, I generally, what am I trying to say? I don't want to say I don't believe in Christmas, but I don't do Christmas. Christmas actually makes me feel quite uncomfortable for some uh, personal reasons. And I made the decision a long time ago that I didn't really want to get caught up in the whole buying and receiving presents just because it's Christmas. Um, I don't like that. I don't like the pressure of it. You know, if I want to buy somebody a present, I'll buy somebody a present. And if somebody wants to give me a gift for whatever reason, then they can. I don't like the idea of people having to do it because it's Christmas. So yeah, I don't really do Christmas. What I do do is I buy myself some stuff and then I say, I'm making this, this is what I bought myself for Christmas. Um, and right now, I have everything that I want. There is there is no nothing out there right now that I would say um, I want. I have recently just picked up um, Concordia and every single expansion that has ever been made for Concordia, including the solo version. So as far as I'm concerned, that's an early Christmas present to me. But I'm not going to box it up and put it under the tree. I've already opened it. Um, Arkham Horror, the card game. I have recently just spent quite a lot of money on buying uh, all of the packs that I've been missing. So for the last 18 months, I've been hit and miss on buying some of the packs and I, I've just bought everything that I was missing from Games Law. It, it was a lot of money and it's a lot of cards and as far as I'm concerned, that is it now. I, I brought back all of the games that I wanted to bring back from Essen. No, that's not a tr not true. I wanted Gutenberg, I wanted uh, Siege of Rundar and I, I didn't have them. But other than that, there's nothing right now that that I really want. So no, I don't I don't have anything on my on my Christmas list. Uh, can we have a link to my FAQ on the Q and A videos? Yes. Where is my FAQ? I'll put it in there now. I'll get it for you. It's not that much because I started it. I had this idea for my FAQ, and I've kind of not really kept it up to date. Um, but let me just let me just go online and get you the link to the FAQ. It's on the Guild. Um, I can tell you now, that's where it is. It's on the Guild. Uh, where's my profile? Here we go. Profile, Guild. Uh, do you want to just post a link to the Guild again? Basically, go onto the Board Game Geek Guild. That's where it is. And it is... Where is it? Surely it should be called FAQ. FAQ? No, it's not called FAQ. Or is it? Oh, my FAQ. There you go. I've actually got a shortcut to it on my thing. Right. Okay. It's a geek list. Right. I don't think it's on the guild. So it's not on the guild, but it is a geek list. And I'm going to post that in the chat right now so that you can have it. Where's the chat? There's the chat. There is the geek list. Oh, Meeple's fallen over. Right. There is the geek list, um, which is my, my FAQ. Uh, I took inspiration from Rado because Rado was getting the same questions all the time. Why did you move away from Malta? And he doesn't have the time. Every single time he asks that question, gets asked that question to give the 15 minute answer of why he moved away from Malta. So what he did is he created, um, yeah, he created effectively an FAQ so that every time he gets asked these, the same questions, he can point people to it. I've done exactly the same. It's in the chat now, the link, and there is um, what did I do before working full-time in the industry? How did I get into rulebook editing? Uh, I'm interested in getting into the industry. Do I have any tips? And what is my opinion on Star Trek Frontiers? Okay, 
That's the only four questions on my FAQ at the moment because they are the ones that I kept getting asked all of the time. Although the Star Trek Frontiers one is, is a kind of a little bit of an in-joke. I don't get asked that that often, to be honest. But anyway, if there's any other things that you think I should have in the FAQ, any questions that I do get asked repeatedly, let me know and I can, uh, I can easily add them in there. Uh, what's the name of the purple meeple? Oh, that's a very good question. We should ask Josh. Right, Josh, Josh's wife uh, made me this purple meeple, so I think it's only fair that either Josh or his wife name the purple meeple. Or we could do a Patreon thing. I'll speak to Josh tonight. I'll send him a message, ask him if he wants to name the purple meeple. Other than that, we'll do it as a Patreon thing. So we can have Patreons suggesting, me, uh, suggesting names, and then we can, do a, we can do a poll or a vote for what the what the uh, what the meeples are going to be called? Great, great question. Thank you very much. Um, Rick wants to know: Does stopping rulebook uh, stop me doing editing of text, playtesting of games such as Unlock Detective Society? No. So, Rick, uh, it's a good question actually. And actually, we asked, we got asked this by um, by Dan. Dan, uh, who is one of the team behind the Detective Society, when he heard my announcement that I'm effectively retiring from rulebook editing, he contacted me and he said, oh, are you still, are you still going to do the testing for the Detective Society? Because we, we test uh, all of the episodes of the Detective Society. Um, and the answer is no, it, it isn't going to affect the testing that I do. And uh, both me and Vicky and Rick and Victoria, we do the testing of all of the English versions of the Unlock scenarios. It is not going to stop that. It is not going to. It's not going to change that. And even though that is editing, it's not rulebook writing and rulebook editing. Okay, so I'm, I'm still going to continue to do that. So if you are somebody who buys the unlock scenarios, um, and if you are somebody who buys them knowing that we've done the editing for them, so that they're nice and clear, because some of the early ones were not clear, uh, then don't worry. We are still we are still going to be doing those moving forward. Um, Max Fun, have I ever had to do a playthrough of a game I absolutely hated? Oh, that's a good question. What I will say to you is a yes. And I'm not going to say any more. Um, but yes, there is. there are some playthrough videos that I've done for games which I didn't like. But there is certainly one video that comes to mind for a game which I think is a really bad game. Um, but yeah, of course, I'm not going to go into details and I'm not going to say what it is. But the answer to that question is yes. Janeway wants to know if I know if Maracaibo Digital is being released soon. I don't know, but all I will tell you, this is quite funny, is um, since I did the video on Maracaibo Digital, Spiral Burst Studios, who are going to be um, producing it, they have been inundated with questions saying, Paul's done this video, it looks great. When's it coming out? And they keep saying, uh, we don't know. What I will tell you is that they are still working on it. A new update landed last week um, and it, it's, it's so close. Now, I'm actually quite happy that they haven't released it yet because the app right now, some people might think is good enough to release. And I have seen some apps get released in the state that this is in. They are taking their time over it and they are making sure that they've fixed everything, which some publishers don't do. Um, some some people will, will put games out there and effectively the first month is kind of like beta testing. 
um, but not advertised as beta testing. So I, I like the fact that they're waiting and they're getting it right. Uh, in our family, oh, this is from Mom Gamer. Thanks for joining in. in. Who in our family enjoys playing board games with us? Um, nobody, I think. Um, so Vicky doesn't really play many games, but you will enjoy, you will enjoy, uh, <laughs> um, you will enjoy the escape room style games. So puzzle games, detective games, Vicky enjoys those, and they are pretty much the only games that we play. We, you know, I, I, I think the, the time has gone where I would force Vicky to play a Euro game with me because there's no point because we have plenty of other games. We've got lots of unlocks still to do, lots of exit games still to do, lots of detective style games to do. So we'll just play those games together. Um, other than that, that's where, I mean, my family ends at my dad um, and my dad, <sighs> would he, end it's a difficult thing. My dad will play games with us if we ask him to, and some of them he will enjoy, but we don't get much chance. In terms of your family, your mum, your mum will occasionally join us for a game, and she she enjoys them um, because Vicky's mum picks them up. You know, I remember she played she's played Galaxy Trucker and things like that in the past. Um, but other than that, yeah, I don't have much family to play games with. Um, what other hobbies do I have? We don't really. We, wa we watch TV. I read graphic novels. Um, and we do geocaching occasionally, but not as often as I'd like. Um, but again, with me hopefully doing less work next year, hopefully we can do more geocaching. Um, what is Vicky's favourite game? We, you got asked this a couple of months ago. You still can't think? Right, have a, have a think. Vicky, Vicky's going to have a think as what her favourite game is, but I, I can guess that she probably doesn't have a favourite single game. It's probably the Exit and the Unlock games, is what I would say, just as a whole. She's nodding. So yeah, the Exit and, un and Unlock games, more than Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective? She's going to type an answer. Okay, I'll let you know. But it, it, it's those kind of games rather than a specific game. Uh, which ones does she hate the most? Um, everything else. Um, I mean, one thing that Vicky does not like, um, and this is actually, it's, it's interesting because it's actually reflected a bit on me as well, is any kind of social deduction game. Any, any game where you have to bluff, lie, cheat or any or negotiate or anything like that Vicky would just hate absolutely and, and refuse to play um, and I can, I can totally understand why and I think that has made me uh, reflect on my dislike for those kind of games because it makes me really uncomfortable I can't ever play Werewolf or The Resistance again or anything like that just because of that that atmosphere of calling people traitors and liars and things like that I know it's just for fun and I know it's just a game, but it makes me really uncomfortable. So I don't, I don't really want to ever do that. And Vicky's the same. Um, in terms of standard Euro games, moving cubes around and gaining points, Vicky would play those if I really, really, really made her do it. But she wouldn't enjoy it, but she wouldn't hate it, I don't think. You wouldn't hate them, would you? I mean, we played the other day. We played, we've started playing Charterstone. 
So we've started playing the Charterstone campaign uh, with Mark and Sally, and we've played the first two games, and you won <laughs> the first time, yeah. But you didn't hate it, did you? But would you? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. But you enjoyed the fact that we got together and we played a game with friends. That that's more the thing rather than the game itself. Heather wants to know. Oh, hang on. Uh, so possibly Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective and Unlock Equally, and then the exit games afterwards. Okay. And then also Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, and Tainted Grail. There you go. Right. Heather wants to know how much will my content change due to me not working on rule books. Um, can we possibly look forward to you revisiting older games that you once covered and didn't have time to cover? Exactly that, Heather. Exactly that. There are so many games that I have in my collection that I would play more if I just had the time to play them. Mage Knight, for example. Um, so with me cutting back on the rulebook work, I am hoping to have at least an extra one day a week, maybe even two days a week, um, free time, during which... I will be covering. I, I will be doing videos. So you're going to see more content on the channel. You're going to see more videos on the channel um, because I am. I'm not going to be sitting down, you know, putting my feet up and not doing anything for two days. I'm going to do do something, and I'm going to start doing more playthrough videos. Um, so yeah, that's that's my plan moving forward to next year, once the rule books are, are done and dusted and out of the way. Uh, and yeah, revisiting older games definitely, definitely want to do that. Roberto, last weekend you played the Red Cathedral and Rajas of the Ganges. Curiously, the people preferred Rajas of the Ganges over Red Cathedral. Which one do I like more? Out of those two, I have played Red Cathedral. I haven't played Rajas of the Ganges. So my answer is Red Cathedral, which I think is a fantastic game. But I've also heard Rajas of the Ganges is very, very good. I've just not played it. Uh, what is my favourite meal? And what is my favourite dish? Aren't they the same thing? See, for me, as a English person, those two things mean the same thing. So if you are still in the chat, Mom, Game, Mom Gamer, let me know technically what the difference is between those two things. And if you are an English person like me, do you think, what is your favorite meal and what is your favorite dish? Do you think they are two different questions? Um, so I generally like Mexican food. I mean, I like, I like anything foreign, really. So apart from Thai, I don't like Thai food. So Mexican food is probably my favorite. I love Italian food, Chinese, a good curry, things like that. I'm not really a big fan of, uh, of English food. Um, but yeah, Mexican is probably my favorite. Have I watched the Beatles do documentary, uh, Get Back on Disney Plus? Likely too busy, but am I a fan? I would say that I am not a fan of the Beatles. And don't take that as that I don't like them, okay? The Beatles are fantastic. I have a huge respect for the Beatles and I like their music, but I'm not a Beatles fan. So no, I haven't, I haven't watched the documentary yet. It's not something that I would probably want to watch just because I don't really have that much interest in it. Um, next question. First, would, would I eat an insect? If that insect had been made very clear to you that it was not going to eat you, life or death situation. Would I eat an insect if that insect had made it very clear to you that it was not going to eat you? No, if that's what you mean. I, I wouldn't choose to eat an insect. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it's all like crunchy and got legs in it. And, uh, no, no, I wouldn't eat an insect. 
Although you did say life or death. If it's life or death, then I would eat an insect. But generally speaking, I wouldn't eat an insect. Uh, Adam's in the chat. Hi, Adam. Uh, high points of Gridcon for me. Um, as mentioned earlier on, is, is the looking around and seeing people uh, playing games a lot. Uh, that, that's, that's probably the high point of, for, for me. Uh, CompuCube wants to know what is something that was easier than you expected it to be at Gridcon and what was something more difficult than you expected it to be. So the, the part of Gridcon which actually went easier than we were expecting, well, easier than I was expecting, was registering people. I was having literal nightmares and worries about the fact that on the Friday morning at nine o'clock, there would be a queue of a hundred people. And we went through so many times the process of how we get this queue of a hundred people in quick. Because I'd worked out how long it was gonna to take to, have you got your lateral flow test result? Can I check it please? Then go through, what's your name? mark them off and we had a whole list of things that we had to say to people it wasn't just here's your badge thank you very much we had rules and we had things that we had to tell people and it turns out that there was actually a steady influx of people so at any one time i think there was 10 people in the queue and that was it so my worries and fears about having this big long line of 100 people that was nonsense so that that bit actually went a lot easier the other thing Although we had said to people, you need to turn up with a lateral flow test from within the last 12 hours, we were actually concerned that maybe 20% of people would have gone, oh, what? I didn't realize I had to do that. We'd sent people emails, we'd posted on the Facebook group and everything else. And as it was, there was only two people, maybe three, that turned up without having done a lateral flow test. In fact, one of them did a lateral flow test but it was like 15 hours and we did say it had to be within 12 hours. Um, now, thankfully, we did have some spare kits with us and we just had to send these people away for half an hour. They did a test and they came back. Um, but yeah, that was that was less of a problem than we than we thought it was. What was something more difficult than we expected it to be? All of the issues that I'm not going to talk about here, but there was a lot of background issues that went on at the convention that people didn't really see. Um, that was a lot harder than it was expected to be. Paul Mack says, um, was awesome. When do the tickets for GridCon 3 go on sale? So we're looking uh, to announce GridCon 3 probably around March time. It is penciled in for the end of June. Uh, and we've actually reserved all of the rooms at the hotel for the end of June. So you cannot book hotel rooms for GridCon 3 right now because they're all reserved in my name. Um, but we'll be making a decision probably around March time. We need to get through winter. We need to see what's happening with all of the COVID variants. Um, and we need to have a debrief with the hotel to see, um, you know, what we can work out for the future. Um, next, your thumbs now have eyes on them and where your eyes were at some token holders. What's your go-to game? I don't understand that. Your thumbs now have your eyes on them. My thumbs have my eyes on them. I don't understand. My eyes are on my thumbs, right? Oh, yeah, I still don't know. I still don't understand the question. Your thumbs now have your eyes on them and where your eyes were are some token holders. What's your go-to game? So if my thumbs are on my eye, if my eyes are on my thumbs and my eyes are token holders, what's my go-to game? 
I don't understand the question. Vicky doesn't understand. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, as I say, I've had not much sleep. Um, Louisa wants to know how do Thor? Uh, so how do Thor and Loki get me get us presents? Do Thor and Loki get us presents? We get them presents. Do, do they get us presents? Okay, so so Thor and Loki magically do buy us presents. We get presents every year under the tree from Thor and Loki. It's Vicky that does it all. Um, so basically, there's a there's a little a little fun gift that you will say is from the cats, and we get a present to open from Thor and Loki. So Mark is asking, who do I consider my arch nemesis in terms of playing games? I.e., who do I lose to all of the time? Oh gosh, I don't think I play. Oh, Rob Turner. Rob, Rob Turner, and I wouldn't have called Rob a, a nemesis, but Rob Turner comes around quite often, and Rob usually wins games. That is just accepted. He is better at games than I am. He picks games up better than I am, um, and he plays better than I do. So, yeah, I wouldn't have said Rob was my arch nemesis, but in terms of a regular person who play, who I play against, who I regularly lose to, it, it would be Rob. Uh, Vicky says, should stick to board game questions, but do I own any geocaches? So, we've got one, right? Years ago, Vicky's parents bought us a do-your-own geocache kit, and about two years ago, two and a half years ago, pre-COVID, we actually found a place where we were going to put it, and we put it there, and we registered it, and it said, sorry, you can't put it here because there's another one within range. Now, we knew that you weren't allowed to put two geocaches too near each other, but we looked at the map, and there wasn't one. So we were confused. And it turns out that there was another one near us, but it was part of a mystery route. So in other words, there was some kind of puzzle set somewhere else, and that ended up leading you to a bridge where this geocache was. Now, the problem was, we said, okay, that's fair enough. We understand you're not allowing us to register this here because there's one nearby. Please tell us, don't tell us where it is, just tell us the geocache number of this one that is nearby so we can solve it, find this other one, and then we know where it is. And they went, no, we can't tell you. So I, I wrote a snotty email to them and eventually they told us where it was. So we have now found that one, but we just haven't got around to it. it it's been on the list to do for about five years and we've not done it yet, but we really do need to because there's lots of places around here that we could hide it. So yes, we do have, and for the last four years, I've been saving up film canisters and medicine canisters um, so that we can actually start doing our own geocache route. Maybe we should do this next year. Maybe we should set ourselves um, something that we, you know, make it and we'll, we do like a little route around Columpton and we hide a load of these geocaches so that anybody visiting Columpton can do a whole geocache route that, that we have planted ourselves. We've got all of the bits for it. We just haven't, we haven't, you know, it's like everything, time. And, you know, with, with my rulebook work, it's, it's taken over my life to the point where I'm working most evenings and weekends and I just don't seem to have time to do the fun stuff, which is one reason why I'm stopping it. Um, right, Louisa's got to go and make dinner. Are my cookies getting mentioned uh, as they were on the cover? So they, they weren't getting mentioned, but yes, one of the photos on the, on the front of it, I'll just, I'll just put it on again. There you go. So that one there, 
That is some cookies. They're vegan cookies that uh, Louisa made for me and brought to, to GridCon. So thank you very much for the cookies. They were extremely nice. They have now all gone. Uh, I finished them this afternoon. So we were doing a playtest this afternoon of the Detective Society and I got really, really hungry during it. So I ate the rest of the cookies. So they have now all gone. Thank you very much for those, Louisa. Uh, Mum Gamer, uh, top three favourite graphic novels. Oh, gosh. I mean, I did say earlier on that I do like reading graphic novels. Um, oh, the chat's gone. Oh, it'll come back. It's because I switched over. So apologies for the chat disappearing, but it will come back. It's because I switched over to the other view. There you go. It's back. Um, top three favourite graphic novels. Right. I'm Right. Oh, let's have a look. I mean, right now I'm reading the Marvel Ultimate series, which are really good and I'm really enjoying them. Um, what was that one that I read? Oh, Lock and Key. Uh, Lock and Key, fantastic. Um, I've read the entire Lock and Key series. Really, really good graphic novels. Also... Uh, Gotham Central shouldn't have been cancelled. Gotham Central is brilliant. Gotham Central is about 40, 40 um, issues and it's basically, it's set in the world of Batman, but it's about the Gotham Police Department. And Batman isn't even in it. He's kind of mentioned now and again, but it's about the Gotham Police Department. Um, that's really good. So yeah, Gotham Central is really good. Lock and Key is really good. Um, oh, yeah, I just, I just... There's a lot that I enjoy reading. I've never actually sat down and thought about my top three, but there's there's two of them. Have I managed to get any sleep after GridCon? Um, yes, the first night after GridCon slept like a log. Yesterday, however, um, didn't get enough sleep yesterday. Went to bed too late, didn't get enough sleep, and now feel absolutely wrecked today. So definitely need an early night today. But the first night after GridCon, that Sunday night, we I, I slept right through, got about seven hours which is great. When is the next one? When will it be held? Uh, I've mentioned that. Yeah, I did mention that not, that not that long ago. Um, if they were going to make a board game into a TV series or a movie, which one would get my vote? That's another question that I get asked a lot. If they're going to make a board game into a TV series or movie. If you're watching this now live, put your answers in the chat. Pick a TV series or a movie right now uh, and turn it into a board game. What would get your vote? You think it's the other way around? Oh, it's the, sorry, it's the other way around. Make a board game into a TV series. That's the question. That's the question for the chat. Or, if you're not watching this live, put your answer in the comments. Um, yeah. If they're going to make a board game into a TV series, which one? And I'm trying to think. I mean, Tainted Grail. If they did... Tainted Grail into a TV series, it would be amazing. And for anybody who has played the full campaign of Tainted Grail, if you've just dabbled with Tainted Grail and played a couple of scenarios, you might think, there's nothing special about this. It's just a grim, dark world with stuff going on. But if you have played the entire of the first campaign of Tainted Grail, and you know the story, you will know what I mean. Um, I was comparing Tainted Grail at GridCon to Deep Space Nine. In that, if you sit down and you watch a few episodes of Deep Space, Deep Space Nine, you'll be like, all right, yeah, that was enjoyable. But if you've watched the entire series of Deep Space Nine and you've seen the story arc through the whole thing, that's where Tainted Grail is. If you've just dabbled with Tainted Grail, you haven't experienced it. 
But once you've played through the whole campaign and you know the story, I mean, it, it, it almost brought me to tears at the end. And the bit in the middle and all, yeah, I don't want to say too much, but it's just incredible. So if they made Tainted Grail into a TV series, yeah, it would it would be fantastic. That would that would definitely get my vote. Um, will we ever get a digital version of Mage Knight the board game? That is a very good question, Jeff. Who was we are talking about this with the other day? Was it you? Or was it Ben? I think it was Ben. Yeah, it was Ben. I was talking to Ben about it at Greek on. To be honest, Jeff, my honest answer is I don't think we will. Now, um, Direwolf Digital had the rights to produce a digital version of Mage Knight, and they've been working on it, and they were working on it for a very long time, and then it all went quiet. And we didn't hear anything for like two years, maybe even three years, and then they announced, well, they didn't really announce it, but a few months ago, somebody asked them on a forum, I think, on BGG, and they replied and they said, we are no longer working on Mage Knight the board, uh, Mage Knight, the digital adaptation. So right now, I don't know of any plans to make Mage Knight into a digital version. And I think the reason that they stopped is that it was simply going to be too hard and too complex or it was taking them too long or they ran into problems. I don't know. I don't know the reasons. Um, but yeah, it would be a very, it would be a lot of work to get it right. Um, and right now, I don't think we're ever going to see one. But if we do, it would be brilliant. I just don't think we will. Um, Mark is asking, for foreigners like himself, how do we actually get our hands on LFTs? Uh, if you intend to, uh, if you attend, if you intend to attend GridCon 3. I am hoping that by GridCon 3, there, there is no reason to do lateral flow tests. In fact, have, right, if lateral flow tests are required for events, would we run GridCon 3 with a requirement of a lateral flow test? Because we've just done one and it did work. So I don't want to say no, we wouldn't, even though a few weeks ago we were saying we don't ever want to do one like this again. We don't know where we are. We, we really don't know. But um, yeah, you can get them. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I am really hoping that the next event we run there is no requirement to produce a negative lateral flow test. Well, we will see. Right. And the last question for today, how are we doing for time? 6.30. It's not bad. Not bad at all. So no more questions, please. Did you say no more questions earlier on? You didn't. Right. No more questions, please. We're just going to answer the last questions now. Uh, are we going to have a holiday soon? Yes. Well, not soon, but we might have a weekend away or we might have a day trip somewhere. But we are actually, I'm planning my first holiday for seven years. Um, when is it? August? Yeah, I'm going to Italy for a week in August. Vicky's had a few holidays, little ones here and there. You went to Iceland and you went to Italy. Yeah, yeah. But you've, you've, you've done it. You've... Was it? Nine years? No, it wasn't. It was about four or five. Wow. Okay. Time flies when you get old. Um, but no, we, we've got a, we've got a week booked next year in Italy. So I will actually be taking a holiday for the first time in seven years next year. Although I am planning on, as I say, I'm planning on not working every weekend. That will be like a holiday for me. Um, and we can actually maybe go somewhere and, you know, maybe go to the beach, have an ice cream, something like that. It's better than eating rule books anyway. 
Right, that's it. We are all done. So just before we wrap things up, just before you disappear, can you post a link to the contest again? If you are watching this live right now or you are watching this afterwards, you can enter the contest. All you need to do is click on the link that Vicky's just posted in the chat. The link is also in the description of the video. The secret word is Meeple, because the Meeple doesn't have a name yet. Uh, and you will get entered into a draw where you could win £25 worth of games vouchers from Games Law. Thank you very much to Paul from Games Law uh, for being at GridCon and also for um, supporting this, this show with £25 worth of vouchers. If you are a patron supporter of mine, uh, please put that on the form and you will get two entries into the draw. And I will be doing the draw at the next live Q&A. So you've literally got from now until the next live Q&A, which will be... What's the last Wednesday of December? Whatever the last Wednesday of December is, that's when it should be. But to be honest, we're both we're both on holiday, so we might change our minds. Let's have a look. December. Oh, I've actually got it in here for the 29th. Yeah, so Wednesday the 29th of December should be... Oh, the link says it no longer accepts responses. Oh, might have put the wrong one in. Right, ignore that link. We're going to put a new one in. <laughs> that was last month's contest. So yeah, 29th of uh, December will be the, the next live Q&A. And you have from now until then to enter this contest. There we go. New link is in there. Um, what else did I want to mention? Patreon support. As I say, I am at currently, unless anybody has joined the Patreon in the last... We have. Ian Robinson has joined. Thank you very much, Ian, for your support on Patreon. So we are now at 34 people. Um, yeah, 34 people. Countdown to 800. We're currently on 766. So as soon as I've got 34 more Patreon supporters, I will be doing that crazy 20-hour video where I go through my entire collection. Why do I come up with these silly ideas? <laughs> I don't know. They seem like good ideas at the time. Oh, let's run a convention for five days. That'll be fun. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're done. Thank you very much to everybody for watching this. Thank you again to all of my Patreon supporters for all of your support. I will be back later in the week with some other content. I have, uh, for Patreon supporters only, I will be learning how to play Golem on Thursday afternoon. That will be a live stream to Patreon supporters where I get taught how to play Golem and play it. Thursday I'll be doing an unboxing of uh, Bonfire, the Bonfire expansion, Trees and Creatures. And then Friday night, I will be doing a live playthrough of Golem, having learned how to play and having played it. That's the content coming to the channel this week. Hopefully next week, I will have recovered and caught up on my sleep. Uh, and I've got more content planned for, for next week, including more Arkham Horror the Card Game uh, and another game for next Friday. And then also in December, I've got Tabanusi, Zapotec, Concordia Solo. I've got all sorts of things planned for December. Really looking forward to December already. But yeah, lots more to come. So yeah, thank you to everybody for joining us. Take care, and I will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Gaming Rules is proudly sponsored by Game Toppers, upgrading your gaming experience. Visit GameToppersLLC.com